Broadcasting from the Annie Up Studio. It's the longest running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scale. Hello, A team. It's Friday, September 1st. This year is flying by. Elle and I are currently on our trip through the Midwest. We had a few stops last night and pick up where we left off again today. But in the meantime, we're also working hard to get that magazine out to you guys. And our How You Running segment is a sneak peek of our cover story. I think you guys are going to enjoy that. We have the pleasure of meeting a lot of people this week, and it's really got me thinking a lot about self-care. I only get one chance to make a first impression. Proper grooming is essential to looking and feeling your best when you walk in a room. That's why one of our sponsors of today's show, Manscaped, is committed to helping men around the world walk the walk so they can talk the talk. They have the best grooming tools on the market. And I'm not just talking about below the belt. They have you covered from head to toe with ear and nose hair trimmers and beard trimmers and of course all the other stuff too. But you can get it all at 20% off plus free shipping with code ANTIUP20 at manscaped.com. In fact, I haven't really talked a lot about the beard hedge trimmer on here, but this thing has 20 adjustable links and that same skin-safe technology to reduce hair pulls, snags, nicks, etc. Put it in that Manscaped travel bag. Take it with you along with all those other tools that we've talked about so much on here and walk into the room with confidence when you use those tools from Manscaped. Get it all 20% off at manscaped.com when you use the code ANTIEP20. And actually, not just 20% off, but 20% off and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ANTIEP20. That's all I have, so let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. We are back around the poker table with L. The the poker table looks a little different this this week, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it's Marriott <laughs> in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> we started our first leg of this. Uh, Midwest, what'd you call it? The Midwest uh, whirlwind of a tour? The whirlwind Midwest Labor Day tour. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We started our first leg yesterday, but it it actually started off a little rocky, but it it smoothed out. (laughs) We we got a call from our neighbor after we got down the road. Uh, Our golden retriever had escaped yeah, our 10-year-old golden retriever decided to take a little jaunt across the street. Uh, Joe well, Joe thought... It wasn't her fault, though. Oh, true. Joe <laughs> thought I locked the front door. I thought Joe locked the front door. There's a hurricane on the East Coast. The door blew open. And uh, Ollie decided to take a, take a trip across the street and visit her friend Fenway. <laughs> yeah. The most beautiful chocolate, chocolate lab you've ever seen. So, um, anyhow, yeah, we had a little... Rocky start, but um, thankfully the the drive to Cleveland, Ohio is super easy and um, really beautiful city to drive into. We stopped at Jack's Casino first to check in with um, Jeremy with MSPT. Really enjoyed chatting with him. Uh, They have a brand new poker room. Used to be on the third floor, now on the second floor where all the action's happening. Got to meet Mandy. Yeah, Mandy Felice, uh, the poker room manager there, and uh, Jeremy Smith also with the MSPT. That was awesome to have a conversation with him and and, uh, to meet her. And, I mean, it looks like the MSPT event is going strong, super well. Super strong. I mean, I would say 27 out of 30 tables in there. I think they have about 30 tables now. Um, Full. Packed. The sound was good. Yeah. As I always say. Um, and also just really neat to stop by Jack's. It's it's in a old historic building right around the corner, in fact, from where a Christmas story is filmed. 
made my whole month <laughs> to be able to see where that movie was filmed. Thanks to Brian Blyer, ambassador for our Ohio ambassador for pointing that out. We got to meet with him as well. But yeah. the casino, um, if you haven't been to Jack's, it's in an old historic building, downtown Cleveland, right around from the beautiful Guardians Stadium. Yes. And don't be surprised like I was when you walk in. First floor is a little quiet. They just started sports betting a couple months ago. Um, brand new lounge. There's some uh, machines there. But the real action is on the second floor. They also have a Starbucks in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, anyhow, but the poker room's brand new, a uh, couple months old, I think, as well. Mandy was telling us they used to be on the third floor. Now they're on the second around all the action. And um, really, really fun spot. We also ate at Wahlberg's yeah. for dinner. Oh, yeah. We had a burger there. And then Brian. Yeah. Brian took us to this. It was like a, a, a old style uh, bowling alley but it with it, a bar restaurant in front yeah. so you think you're walking into a bar restaurant and, and this wall of bowling balls um, beautiful yeah it was really cool how they had set that up but you walk around that corner and I felt like I was a teenager again like <laughs> I know I saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game and I was like whoa not seen this in a very very long time um, brings the young people out they were all all getting ready to throw down on a Thursday night <laughs> as we were happily leaving. Um, yes. <laughs> just because we had a, uh, a drive ahead of us into um, Toledo. But I did want to mention we had a mountain of nachos there that we did not anticipate. And it was really fun just to catch up with Brian Bly in person. Yeah, it was. It was. It's always good to be able to meet our ambassadors. Brian showed us around the town a little bit. So it was really cool to, to be able to sit down with him for a while. Yeah, yeah, and catch up and learn about his family and hear about his kids and also just really enjoyed all the historical things he could show us Yeah, uh, about the city. Yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland, you've got a beautiful city, a beautiful city. So then we jumped in the car, headed up to Toledo or over to over. Toledo. <laughs> and uh, we met with uh, Jim and Marissa at the Reserve Poker Club, which that place is wow. awesome. What an incredible thing Toledo has going. Guys, we have not visited a poker club before right. where you pay a membership to play and participate in games there. They have an incredible live stream room where they're live streaming games, I believe, every week or multiple times a week. Multiple times a week, I believe. Right? Amazing. Amazing what this team this couple has done to transform a, a women's, women's yeah. <laughs> gym into a full-on professional poker setting. Um, the walls are just adorned with this incredibly airbrushed portraits of current and past. Doyle was on there. Negrano's on there. Uh, Scotty Wynn's on there. Yeah, check out our socials. I'm going to post them. They, I mean, I was just floored. Yeah, it was so cool. And unfortunately, we didn't get there in time to really see because they were nice enough to stay there and wait for us uh, because we wanted to check it out. But uh, we didn't get to see a lot of the action going on because we got there really, really, really late because Cleveland took us a little longer than we expected. But just a huge shout out to them. They're doing a great job there. The community. The community yeah. aspect is incredible. Not to mention, I mean, top-notch tables, chairs, facility. Mm -hmm. They do an incredible job with their facility itself. Um, it's tucked away, not what you would anticipate right when you walk in. But whoa, as soon as you're in there, you can tell this is a community and they are building an incredible and, you know, space. Some places, some places will get something that's that's working well and then say okay we're good we, we've got it running well but they're always thinking about improving mm -hmm. and expanding so kudos to them for for not sitting on their laurels when they've got something going good. Yeah. yeah so really really enjoyed meeting them as well can't wait to come back actually we're hoping uh, yeah to come absolutely back in october yeah that's that's 100 percent a plan and then Today we we after we record this we're actually packing up we're getting out of here we're actually late checking out right now. Sorry Marriott. And, <laughs> sorry, sorry Marriott. And then we're gonna uh, head up to Chicago. My turn to drive. I'll be driving this leg. 
yeah, because I've got to put this podcast out. <laughs> but uh, we're excited to see all the people there. Um, Bob Popper, Chicago Joe, Kirk. obviously Kirk. Windy City. We're going to be doing the live stream on Sunday. I'll put the, the link in the description, but I'll also put it out there on the socials. And yeah, so a lot going on, but uh, glad to take a minute to be around the table with you, El. Always a pleasure to be around the table with you, Joe. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games. And he's with me again this week. How are you, Elliot? I'm doing very well, thanks. Things are going pretty nicely. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well. Getting ready for some travel. So, you know, the hectic hectic sc- travel schedule, getting ready to start. But that's, that's a good thing. So this week we have a call the floor that was sent in on um, via Twitter. And I only have his first name as Justin, but his Twitter handle is KingTheRing. And he says they had a player that came to their table, to their 1-3 table, after a 2-5 table broke. And this was the first hand he played. He put one chip, one $5 chip in and said five. Obviously, the raise had to be six. The dealer said it was just a call because it was one chip and not enough for a raise. The player went back and forth with the dealer, stating he was clearly meaning to raise and the amount he put in was enough for it to have been a raise rather than a call. He said that if he had put $4 in, then it would make sense that it was a call instead of a raise, to which the dealer responded, that would have been a raise because it was more than one chip. By the end of the conversation, my head was spinning, but I feel like it should have been a raise. He never called the floor. He just scowled and let it be. And a few hands later, the player racked up his chips and left. Uh, Justin says, in my opinion, not only was that the wrong call by the dealer, but I feel like it was... It caused them to lose a player for at least one night, and who knows, maybe longer. What would your call be, Elliot? Well, uh, the call is simple, but the situation is actually pretty involved. I mean, this is a pretty good uh, submission here. Good conversation we're about to have. (laughs) I mean, I tried very hard to put myself in the dealer's shoes here and, and put myself in his head and try to figure out what he was thinking or she uh, when they had this exchange with everybody. And I still can't for the life of me figure this out. The single chip rule doesn't apply here because the bet was verbalized. <laughs> so uh, a single chip doesn't matter. Don't apply that rule because it doesn't apply. It doesn't have anything to do with what happened. The dealer tried to apply that rule. And it's like, wait a minute, stop. <laughs> so again, I can't figure out where they went in that direction for me. And then to furthermore explain how if they only put in four, it would have been <laughs> a call. It's like, well, number one, nobody asked. <laughs> and number two, they didn't bet four, they bet five. Stick to the subject. Right. <laughs> this is a bet to six. When you verbalize something that is obviously not a valid bet, uh, in most cases, and especially in cash games, uh, you're very likely to be held to the nearest available bet. And here it would be the min raise to six. Very reasonable. This happens quite a bit. Right. Especially in the lowest game in a room, you're going to get a lot of the neophytes, novices, beginners, and so forth. And this guy was dropping down from another table. Uh, The dealer basically tried to determine intent of the player. And the rules, for the most part, specifically don't determine the intent of the player. They let the bet speak for for itself and we make a decision based on uh, the amount verbalized or placed. We don't try to guess what's in somebody's head. We don't try to guess the intent in almost every case. Uh, We do take context into play sometimes, but most of the time you don't have to. And this is fairly basic. Uh, The gentleman said five. Well, you can't bet five on that betting round. Five is a legal bet on any other betting round in that game, except the opening betting round where you obviously had to make it at least six, two times three. So I, I don't know the rules you know, what all the rules say, but isn't there something in there that says something like if it's over half of 
the previous bet, um, then it's a it's a, a raise or something like that. Yes, when you place enough chips in the pot that are over one and a half times the call, so the call plus half or more of, of that bet, then you must make the lowest available raise, the minimum raise, period. You don't get to take the money back. You don't get to bet less. Uh, that in itself opens up a lot of uh, cheating attempts, where if the bet were 100 and somebody put in 190 and you didn't make him make it 200 and gave him 90 back, well, three people folded because they thought it was 190 to them. Right. Well, I'm only liable for 100. That's not 100% of the bet. No. As soon as you put in $151, you're making it 200. The same principle applies here. Otherwise, there'd be people taking shots. If, say you're playing 10 and 25 blind, oh, make it 40. Well, that can be a, a pretty good angle shot, and we've got to do things to prevent that. So, excellent point. And again, that's the reason why the rules try not to take intent into account. We make it very basic. We read the numbers, we see what's happening, and we make a very neutral and unbiased decision based on what we see in front of us, and that's it. Yeah, and I think that in this case, there's a couple of things. One, you know, if the player believed he was in the right, which it sounds like he was, then why did he not call the floor? Uh, An excellent point. And again, this is something we stress in a lot of these submissions and a lot of these conversations we have regarding good or bad decisions. If you see something that's wrong or you believe is wrong and needs to be handled by the supervisor, then make sure the supervisor's called over. Don't just sit there and let it happen. The end result is you'll lose a player who wanted to play. Right. Don't just be a bystander. If you're sitting at the table with chips, then you are a participant. You're not merely a spectator. As a participant, you have a right to not only make sure things are going well, but you have an obligation. You don't... Watching somebody get run down in the street by a car, <laughs> taking a picture and posting it on Twitter is not calling 911. Right. Well, the same principle applies. Call for the floor. Yeah. Especially if the dealer's making decisions on their own. <laughs> right. It's not the dealer's job to challenge the players. It's the dealer's job to keep the game moving expeditiously. It's the dealer's job to be the front line and interpret the basic rules and, and keep the play going. Once the dealer doesn't do that correctly, make sure the floor is involved. And the dealer didn't really interpret this rule correctly. Right. A single chip rule does not apply to a bet of a single chip that was verbalized. It applies to a silent bet made with a single chip. And the rule states that. Right. (laughs) It very specifically (laughs) states that, both in TDA and in cash game rules. So the single chip rule didn't apply and... Everybody at the table watched the dealer do this. Right. Get the floor involved. It's very important. Call us over. We're going to correct dealer errors, especially in a spot like this where the action was stopped. Everybody was waiting for the determination to be made. It didn't affect anybody at that point except the player who obviously wanted to put more than $3 in the pot. Yeah, and I think that even along those same lines, if he if he stays there and he plays... I mean, that casino is making money off of that player. I mean, it's it's in the best interest of the dealer to call the floor rather than trying to do that on his own. It's not even, I mean, the players had that responsibility, but the dealer should have done it as well. So as soon as there's any kind of pushback, you got to call the floor, especially as a dealer. Yeah. You're not there to challenge the players. You're there to make sure things are correct. You're there to do your job as as well as you possibly can, you're there to keep the game moving in an expeditious fashion. Once there's a dispute, you've got to get the floor there. Yeah, 100%. It's just as, and I'm speaking as, as a dealer, not just as a player. And once there's a disagreement, this can't end well. Obviously, you lose a player, but heaven forbid you, the other players say, well, shoot, why should we, we tip you if you're just going to piss off players or not even know your craft? Right. That's a good point, too. But again... It comes back to opening your mouth and calling the floor. Right. Ask the dealer, look, folks, we're obviously in disagreement. Call the floor and let's get this settled. Let's just make sure this gets right. And and I talk about this from a standpoint of a person's play a lot of times with keeping your mental game right. And 
the easiest way to do that in a situation like this, where you disagree with the ruling, the easiest way to keep your temperament is to just get a ruling from the floor rather than going back and forth. And, and all you're doing is getting more angry or more frustrated. And eventually that just leads to you not playing anymore. So, so I think all around it's better if you just keep your keep your emotions in check. I, I, he doesn't say that it was a heated exchange, but I can I can picture it being one for sure. Right. Yeah. Once a dealer challenges a player, anything anything can happen at that point. Yeah. I mean, poker players like like anybody else, their emotions are close to the surface here. When money's involved and you're playing amongst other players, tempers can flare up. Anything can happen. And you're challenging a guy over a dollar. I mean, this makes zero sense. Yeah. Let the floor handle it. Take the heat off. I mean, as soon as you make a decision like this as a dealer, you're you're choosing sides in, in a in a nine-way battle that you have no business choosing. You're supposed to be a neutral party and root for everybody. When you make the decision on your own, you're choosing a side, and that's, that's not your spot. I mean, if you depend on tip income, you can't choose sides. Yeah. You have to provide fast, friendly, courteous, polite service to everybody at the table equally. You can't pick and choose. That's true. And the floor is the one to settle that. They are the bad guy in that spot and make sure that the anger is directed to them and not the dealer. Right. Well, Justin, I hope that clears it up. I think that the biggest takeaway here, though, and and like you said, Elliot, one thing that we've harped on numerous times is everybody it's your it's your responsibility at that table to call the floor so in the future if you're there and you see something just call the floor and you don't have to be an active participant in the hand at that time right if something is happening that is egregiously wrong and you're out of the hand make sure they get the floor involved this protects you too right let's look at it from the point of view of a very good player who's there to actually make a profit and a lot of it. If you're watching something happen that either results in a player leaving or the wrong player winning the pot, or heaven forbid, another great player winning the pot, those chips are now in a black hole. They're not in play anymore. You have a vested interest in making sure the chips are going to the right winners and the right time <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you have a vested interest in making sure. And heaven forbid, karma plays here too. If you speak up when you see something wrong and you're not in the hand, next time you're in the hand and something goes wrong, somebody else will speak up. Right. That's good for the game. It's not bad for the game. It's good for all of us. Right. So yeah, see something, say something. Exactly. Good point to end on right there. If anyone has a call the floor that they would like Elliot to break down, then uh, send it to podcast at com. And Elliot, I appreciate you once again. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. We are back with another Hand of the Week with Patrick. How you doing, man? I am good, my friend. College football's back. That's right. We're going to be back in Blacksburg on Saturday. Whoever decided to give us a night game against ODU, <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I'll take it, so thank you. Right. <laughs> um, all, is, uh, all is well with the world as far as that goes. Football's back. Life is good. How are you? I'm good. You know, I appreciate you jumping on here a little bit earlier than we normally do so we can get this kicked out because travel schedule starts in a few days. So That's right. When um, are you taking off on thir- Thursday? Thursday, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So get this kicked out and uh, maybe, not my norm, but I might actually pack before the day of. <laughs> <laughs> it is very interesting to me to to meet the different levels of you know packers when they get to airports when they you know all that good stuff but um yeah i night before give me give me two and a half three hours i'm gonna do one load of laundry with some of my favorites for whatever and then i'm packing right afterwards and then i'm done yeah yeah it doesn't take it. me long and if i'm just staying this is going to be a little bit longer trip but if i'm just staying for like a night or two I mean, I don't need anything more than a, a bag. Like, I don't have to pack yeah. a suitcase. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy. I, you know, I think, uh, I think our lovely wives listen to, to parts of these. So I won't, uh, I won't throw anyone under the bus too much, but um, there's a lot of packing that goes into um, our household. Now, 
we do have two younger kids and that's a little bit different, but um, yeah, we did definitely make a spectacle out of some packing. Um, <laughs> I think I make it at least easy on my, on ourselves, but you know, yeah. Give me a book back, you know, if I'm <laughs> yeah, staying exactly. water tonight. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I am learning. I've got to pack a few more things when I'm packing for business. So yeah, setups are a little bit different. Yeah. But yeah. so let's jump into this hand. Uh, it's sent in by John Mullen and he actually sent right. in, he sent me two hands. I just randomly chose this one and, um, they're both from the same session. He said, but, uh, this is what we're going yeah. with. In this one, we are playing 2-5. We have 1,500 yeah. in our stack, and we're sitting in the small blind. Lovely small blind. Here we go. Uh, under the gun has chips racked up and ready to leave, but he opens to $25. That's never a good sign. <laughs> if they're ready to go and they go, actually, I'm going to play this one. <laughs> <laughs> they're like walking away from the table as they can't pick up their chips with one more deal and that and then they sit down great yeah yeah so then hijack calls and he says this player has been playing a lot of hands pre-flop and then folding after the flop so yeah i'm getting a little information on the players here the cutoff so calls, hijack, hijack called the hijack called yeah the cutoff called and he says, this guy plays any two cards and he bluffed me earlier showing the hand afterward. <laughs> All right. Well, not the second part. I'm not the guy that shows afterwards. I, I've got a little bit more, but, um, you know, Mike, Mike, Mike did tell me I play a lot of hands. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. ATC. Um, ATC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so cutoff calls. All right. And so we're, back to us now. Yeah, so we're in the small blind with Jack of Hearts, Jack of Spades. Well, that's just not good enough to play from the small blind. Yeah, yeah. You've got <laughs> three players in now for twenty five each, and you've got pocket jacks. Yeah, I mean that's jacks are good enough to play from that uh, that position. I'm calling. Okay, you're just gonna call. I'm just gonna call. Okay. I mean, only so, a little bit of the background, only because of the position I'm in, maybe a little bit. Uh, but if you if you want to go the other route with it, maybe you should try to control it. But I don't know. Just the kind of way he described under the gun, I see this guy sitting there going like licking his chops. Yeah, I think in in most cases, because I'm out of position, in most cases I'm gonna want to bump it up. Okay. But that dude, that under the gun player with the chips racked up and ready to leave, and goes, oh. Actually, we're just gonna. That sound, that feels like that feels like a really big hand to me. So, so I, I'm I'm good with a call. Just know, okay. in most cases here, definitely gonna bump it up for the teaching aspect of this for for the rest of the the amateurs out there. So, like, if so, playing a two five game with the stack that we've got, let's just say under the gun isn't the guy that's standing up doing it. It's just a normal game. How big are you going on a bet there with pocket jacks? 125. Okay. One, so I yeah. had 75 in my head. So 125 need a little bit bigger. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. And actually, uh, John makes it 150. So there you go. Hey, great minds. There uh, you go, boys. The big blind gets out of the way. Okay. Under the gun calls. That's, yeah. that's good. I, I was, I was. Wondering if it was going to be coming up over the top of, of our bet, but uh, under the gun just calls. So that's that's a good sign. Yeah. The hijack folds, which is the guy that he said just barely played flop. <laughs> he didn't even make it to a flop. He, yeah. just had to see <laughs> he just throwing money in. And yeah. the cutoff calls, which is our any two cards player. All right. So what do we got? 150, 150, an extra 25 from our. Hijack one fifty, so three four fifty four seventy five four seventy five in the pot, and the flop is the eight of clubs, eight of spades, five of diamonds. You're first to act because of that lovely position that we have. Eight of clubs, eight of spades, five of diamonds, holding pocket jacks. Yeah, I feel like I'm going at least. Uh, I'm going at least half a pot there. I'm probably going. 
I'm probably going 300, 350, something around that number. The only thing that scares me is like you can, you can put strong hands in the under the gun, right? Could yeah. be, but it could be like ace king, aces and kings. I probably rule out because he probably would have four bet us, right? Yeah, um, you'd, yeah. So ace so. king, ace queen. Queens. I still put queens there. I don't think he's for betting with queens, or he could not. Okay. But yeah, that's not a bad bet. Okay. And John bets one seventy five. Okay. And he says, "I bet one seventy five in the hopes that they both just fold." But I don't think that's enough to make them both just fold. No, I don't think so either. If that's your intention, then I don't think it was enough. You know, if if you were looking to narrow it down to one, maybe, you know, but if you want them both to fold, that's not enough. Actually, they both call. Oh, okay. So, so now we just, let's start narrowing down some ranges here. Um, the player that's got his chips racked up, um, he could have pocket tens, right? Which yeah, we, for sure. We're ahead of that. He could have pocket queens, although that's iffy because... He could have four bet that. Could have nines. Probably not hands like ace, king, ace, queen. So pocket pair of some kind. The cutoff could easily have an eight in their hand. Yeah. Um, he That one scares me a little bit. Yeah. He did bluff earlier, so he probably knows his image pretty well too. Um, so I don't know. That one's tough. So a thousand in the pot now, and the turn is... The Ace of Spades. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to like this. <laughs> Joe, you're not going to like this at all. You would want to hold on to control, but part of me wants to play the check and see game. No, I love that, actually. I <laughs> <laughs> like um, this. <laughs> no, I, I do. I, I think that you for pot control, I think you have to check there. Okay. And John agrees. He says, I check, and both players quickly check behind. Interesting. So, yeah. That probably eliminates eights from the hand of the cutoff. Yep. Does that also eliminate either that or he's playing a really good game of, you know, cat and mouse? I mean, does that eliminate queens out of under the gun? No, because he might be scared of that ace now. Oh, that's a good point. So, I think that puts queens in their hand even more so so yeah i think i think a check is great there i'd be honestly i'd be happy to get to showdown for free from this point <laughs> yeah so i don't yeah. want to check so still a thousand dollars in the pot and the river is three of diamonds wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> might as well have just been a deuce right <laughs> Wow, three of diamonds. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I check again. I, in all honesty, I mean, I I have no yeah. reason to push anything. I've I've said all I want to say on things. So yeah, yeah, I one hundred percent. Like I said, I would be happy to get to showdown for free. So yeah, there's enough in that pot for me with pocket jacks on that board. But John says, "What did I got John do?" He says, "I decide to put out a bet of one hundred and fifty dollars." As a blocker bet, <laughs> one hundred and fifty dollars into a thousand block. What? So what was he going to block? So a blocker bet, basically, just saying I'm going to put this out there to keep people from betting more than this. Because if I check, maybe somebody puts in three hundred or four hundred or five hundred or whatever. So that's so his idea is to put out a blocker bet, blocker bet of 150 and then maybe nobody puts out more. But I I think blocker bets are pointless. <laughs> okay. I, if I see someone putting out 150 into a pot of 1000, 100% I'm never calling. I'm I if I have absolute garbage, I may fold, but more than likely I'm coming over the top You're of that. Yeah. Uh, hard. Yeah. Now you know, if I see somebody putting that out there with the nuts sometimes, then that changes things. But 
at this point, if I see that, mm-mm. that's do it. That's doing yeah. nothing but getting you in trouble. So he says, I decided to put out a bet of 150 as a blocker bet. I'm thinking this could eliminate either player from trying to steal it here. And maybe I get a crying call from a hand like pocket tens. However, under the gun, snap raises to 400. <laughs> Which means you fold either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, there it is. There's that. There, there's the raise you were talking about. So what ends up happening from there? So John says, I fold and villain. This is great. I love this, actually. Villain offers to show if I tip the dealer $5. That's a great move. That's a that's a world class move. <laughs> he says, "I do," and he shows pocket fives, the five of hearts, five of clubs, and he says, "See, five dollar tip for the dealer to show fives." <laughs> wow! And immediately exits the poker room to cash out. <laughs> My man whips around with stat with his chip stack. To play fives. Yeah. And has a boat. (laughs) And then proceeds to play the way he did just to get, and then show a $5 bet or $5 tip. Well done. Whoever that guy is, well played. Yeah. Class act. Very nice. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I definitely put him on something stronger than fives, but all right. So here's the thing. If there is a, if there's anybody out there that can tell me the point of a blocker bet, then send it to me at podcast at any at magazine.com and we can revisit this next week. Bring it on. But I just do not see the point of a blocker bet. Yeah. Give, give I, I want, I want a good and a bad. I want another where it didn't work and I want one that it did. That would be that we can Monday morning quarterback and see what's, you know, what's what. Yeah. That just, I mean, at that point, I mean, I don't think John played that hand that poorly. I really don't until that bet. I mean, I think I'd do the exact same or mostly the same, you know, until that. But then that's, you know, you're probably just wasting 150 chips on that one. Pre-flop, I wasn't – normally I would have three bet. Yeah. But in this case, I wouldn't have because of the way – because of him having his chips racked up and ready to go. Then when that flop comes out – I mean, I think I'm probably going to put in a bet. I don't have a problem with that. Check on the turn. Perfect. Don't have a problem with that. Then, But you're checking on the river, right? Then, yeah, there's no way I'm putting a bet out there on the river. And if I'm putting a bet out there, that's certainly not going to be 150 into 1,000. Like, yeah. That's where the mistake is. I mean, you can't... Mm, 150... With that pot size, that's laughable. That's a laughable bet. Like nobody's going to respect that bet. So yeah, whether you have it or not. Yeah. So. Uh. Anyway, yeah, John, you can send it to to us or somebody. Just help me help me understand blocker bets because I am I'm I just don't don't think that they're good. I don't think that it's a it's a useful tool. At some point long yeah. ago, it might have been, but I don't. I don't see the point of it now. Yep. So we shall see. I'll be curious to see what people send in. Absolutely. All right, and if anyone has a hand of the week for Patrick and I break down, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine dot com as well. And Patrick, I appreciate you joining me. You are very welcome. It's glad to be here. And you enjoy your week. Safe travels. Have a good one, man. You too. Thanks. question is how are you running i was able to talk with mike matzinger of world tavern poker as a piece for annie up magazine and we talked for such a long time i also think we could have continued for another couple of hours i think the only thing missing was a deck of cards i really had a great time talking with mike and i wanted to share some of that conversation with you guys here on the podcast There's only so much time here, though, so to hear the whole conversation, be sure to subscribe to the magazine, and you can do that at anyupmagazine.com and fill out the form there. 
I'll also have a link in the description of the podcast. Until then, though, enjoy this sneak peek of our conversation. So this week on How You Running, I am joined by Mike Matsinger from World Tavern Poker. And I'll tell you what, I'm I'm so excited to have you on. And we're going to get into the meat and potatoes here in just a minute. But the first question is always, how you running? <laughs> so that's a great question. Um, I unfortunately don't have the time to play as much as I used to. Um, but in terms of, I'll tell you how we're running. We're running. We're running tough. Um, as you know, we're you know we run the largest bar poker, we're the largest poker league in the country. And we happen to play in bars, but you know, pandemic crushed us. And yeah. you want to you want to talk about the ultimate bad beat? I mean, it was rough, and uh, and I can get into that later if you want. But so we've been slowly coming back. So we're really been managing our you know our bankroll. Um, we're playing smaller limit. We're not making high risk moves right now. We're not bluffing. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're only going to play premium hands right now. So in terms of that, but, uh, thank you so much to honestly, to our players, to our bar owners, to our tournament directors, because they're the ones that, you know, that it got us back to, you know, got us back to within range of where we once were. Um, so yeah, so we've been running kind of tough, but things are looking really bright in the future. So, you know, you mentioned the number one poker league, right? Sure. So I know that, that COVID just like everybody, just like us, just like Annie up, you sure. know, we, we all took a hit from that because places closed down, but I'm glad to hear that you're building it back up. We've talked a little bit before, you know, it's, it's where I played back years ago and, and yeah, we miss me, you. miss you. Everybody talks about you all the time. Right? <laughs> um, but let's, let's go back a little bit way back before COVID, before all of that. So where did, where did World Tavern come from? Where did the idea start? Where did, how did it take off? So uh, it's actually a great story. And I, you know, I'm a storyteller, so I'm going to try to, I know you have a limited time here. We could be on here for six, eight hours if you want. <laughs> I, can, I can do days of material, but um, it's really an interesting story. So I'm a lifelong entrepreneur and um, I had a company back in, I'm trying to think the years now. So, you know, around 2001, I sold my company, 2002. And I literally was hanging out trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And uh, I fell in love with poker. And just like majority of your listeners, just like majority of the people, um, you know, that play today is, you know, we all saw Chris Moneymaker, you know, win this thing in the, in the hype, um, you know, about poker. What it was is, and I love, I'm sort of a thinker. So, and I always loved games. I loved board games growing up with my parents and things. And so I decided that I was going to start learning how to play poker. And I just fell in love immediately with the strategy side of it. And I, you know, I said that, you know, I can, you know, I play a lot of games and I, my whole goal is to break the game. <laughs> But I started playing poker and I'm like, shit, I can't break this. Like, this is like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, there are so many elements to it. And I love math. And so um, I just literally fell, fell in love with it. And I played 24-7. It was back when online just started. I was playing, gosh, like Bet US maybe was it at the time or uh, Mansion Poker, those guys. And I literally just couldn't get enough. Um, I was reading every article I could, every book I could, um, just trying to, you know, to better understand it. And, and so um, I started, when I started really getting into the game, I had this home game in our neighborhood. And it was just, you know, a bunch of guys, 10, 20 guys, and they play everything. It wasn't just Hold'em at the time. One of the guys, Joe Hatch, who I owe tremendous gratitude to, was a great friend of mine, a neighbor, and also he owned a bar locally. So what happened was, um, there's sort of two parts of this. Number one is, I realized that my ADHD is so bad, there's <laughs> no way I could ever compete with people with great memories. Because I realized at that time that you have to be able to sit down, look at somebody across at five, six, seven hours and understand how they're playing. I'm just about having a drink and, you know, having some fun. <laughs> so that's sort of when I decided I wanted to, I, I wasn't going to be a pro. And I said, let me figure out how I could be in this industry. You know, what do they say? People who can't play coach, you know, that kind of approach. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so what happened was it's my, my buddy, Joe owned a bar called Four Corners in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. He called me one day and he said, he said, uh, you know, my business is really hurting. He said, can you come down? I'm a marketing guy sort of at heart and, and by trade. And he said, can you come down to the bar and brainstorm some ideas, way to get more people into my bar? So I'll never forget it. It was in the middle of July. 
it was a Tuesday because the Major League Baseball All-Star game was on. And so I go to the bar and there was only about eight, 10 people in the bar and all the TVs had the major league baseball star game on except for one TV. And it was Greg Raymer um, at the final table in 2000, I think in 2004, if I'm not, if I'm not wrong there. And so he's, and everybody that was in there again, only eight, 10 people, none of them cared about the baseball. They all (laughs) had their eyes fixated on the poker. So Joe and I were bringing like with karaoke, we can do this and we can do that. And so finally I said, Joe, you know, we both love poker. Why don't we run a free poker tournament? And he literally said to me, that's stupid. He said, (laughs) nobody wants to play poker for free. And I said, well, we play basketball for free. You know what I mean? We play Scrabble for free. It doesn't have to be about money. People just love the game right now. So he actually said, no, wasn't interested. I said, okay, whatever. So went home. So I'm cutting my lawn. Joe's my neighbor. I'm cutting my lawn one day and I hear this honking and I turn around and Joe pulls up and he rolls down his window. He says, there's another bar down the road that's doing poker. And he cursed and he did all these things. But he said, let's, you know, let's do this. So I said, cool. And I was only doing it to help him out. And so, you know, I made some, I'm sort of a designer a little bit. I, I created um, some posters for him, came up with a, with a tournament structure. Um, I didn't, you know, I was, I didn't know much. Of, I was never a tournament director prior to that. So I kind of didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> but we show, we promote it. And I mean, no, not heavy promoting and we show up and there's 75 people lined up out the door trying to get into this. And I was just like, holy shit, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to, you know, I have to fake my way, you know, through this thing. And so, you know, there were some bumps in it. So, but I got home and I, I I'd woken up my uh, wife and I got home at like one in the morning and I'm like, you know, maybe this is the new venture. And so that's really how it started. We did a test season in, I think it was September, 2004. And uh, I only wanted 12 bars. I said, we're only going to test this with 12. I'm from Jersey originally. So we did it in South Jersey and then also in Raleigh. So I had, you know, familiarity with the markets. And I mean, it just took off. I mean, it was really crazy. We sent out some mailers and bars called us and we signed up and and that's, you know, I'm sorry, that's a long-winded story, but it's a pretty good story. And, yeah. and so, you know, I don't want to say the rest is history. There's a lot more to it, but <laughs> that's really how it got started. I love going to bars. I love the drink. Um, and I love playing poker. And I just thought, like, I've had a lot of great companies, things that I've loved doing, but I said, there's nothing better than this. You know, what can I ask for? Yeah. And that's how it got going. And I think that carries over into the players that are there as well. You know, everybody plays the game for that competitive, you know, spirit, but also I've always said it's a social game. So this is the perfect way to combine those two, right? Which kind of leads me into the next question that I was going to ask, because over the years that you've been doing this, there's also a number of poker apps, right? Free poker apps, and people can just sit down in their house and play. So what brings them to um, their local tavern to be able to play poker? as opposed to just sitting on their couch and playing? Well, I think there's a lot of people like me that like to drink, um, you know, that enjoy (laughs) that. When I say I like to drink, what I really mean is I love going to bars. I love the social aspect of being in a bar. And so, I mean, certainly the bar business has been going on since prostitution, right? The older, two oldest, oldest, we got hookers and we got, you know, we got taverns, right? And so um, what we, you know, what we found right away is that people were just looking to get out. You know, and, and so what's what's really funny when we talk about people ask us sometimes about our demographic and our demographic is this. Our demographic is 21 to about 32 and then 45, 46 to 90. And we have a 90 <laughs> Alice Bernicki in um, in Buffalo, I think is 96 years old now playing, if I'm not mistaken. And so the re- people say, well, what happens in that 32 to 46 thing? You know, you know, age range. I said, well, they get married and have kids. They're not allowed yeah. out, you know, yeah. so. It, it, it's sort of jokingly, but we always say is if somebody shows up to the bar and they're in their late thirties, they're either still single and wise, they're either still single um, or divorce, or they might not have kids. So, you know, because your kids get, you know, you have six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year olds. Then when they get to be about 15, and I don't know if you have kids, Joe, but when my daughter turned about 14, all my kids, 14, 15, they didn't care. They didn't want to be around me anymore. You know, they right. wanted, <laughs> exactly. I could go back out again, you know, and, and that really is true. So, but, but really, to answer the question is, it truly is the social aspect of it. You're playing a game that you love. 
And a lot of people walk and never played it before. But you're playing a Maybe. game that you love with mostly really cool people. We get, you know, just like any poker room, you get a couple of those jerks in there. Um, but for the most part, and what we've really done is just build this unbelievable community. We, we also say we're, you know, we're the largest poker family in the country because um, yeah. we have players that vacation together now. We have, I would say, over a over hundred marriages that were met from oh, wow. you know, people meeting in our, yeah, meet, meet in our league. Probably 150 babies, so there's 50 of them that were out of, you know, they, <laughs> they, they played out of turn, maybe. But um, so, um, but truly, is the friendships, and and that's one of the reasons that I I've, I've kept doing it. A smart businessman would have sold it in 2008, you know, because everybody said it's a fad, it's a fad, it's a fad, and I said I don't think so. I think this is here to stay. But I, you know, why would I sell something that I wake up every morning and I love what I do? Twenty years later, I love every morning. I'm up at five a.m. and I can't wait to get started on what we're going to do that day. So it's definitely the social is the is the driving force to it. Who wants to play, you know, on an app when you're not, you know, when you're really not, you can't talk to anybody. Right. Um, not not say there's not a place for online poker. We do online poker, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, but really the online poker for us just supplements. Um, or compliments what they're doing in the bar. So if they don't have anybody that they don't have a bar in their, you know, on a Thursday night in their area, they'll play online because at least they're socializing somewhat with, with right. all the rest of the people in our league. At Annie Up, our tagline is for the everyday poker player. So I feel like that's why this, it's a natural fit. But tell me why you think World Tavern Poker is for that same everyday poker player group. So, you know, what's interesting is, and we have had, a, we talked about this before we, you know, came on air here, but, you know, we have, we had a, a player out of Fred, uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, just finished 79th in the main event. We've got, I think, 15, 16 now ring winners, you know, the WSOP circuit event ring winners. We've got tons of, you know, people that have cashed on well and all, in, across the board. But what happens is, is you have a lot of people that either, A, don't have access to a casino, right? And when you compare to, a home game, okay? And I sort of joke, people say to me all the time, they're like, oh, well, that's free. We play in a home game. And I go, well, how much do you play for? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's like 20 bucks. And I'm like, that's kind of free. You know, it's right. kind of like, what, you know, are you, are you like, are you freaking out because you got $7 in that in that pot, you know? And so, you know, what happens is, is that either A, they already love the game and they can't get enough of it, which is what I, which was my situation. I couldn't find enough home games to play in or, Quite honestly, a lot of home game players, depending on where they are, is it's not necessarily a great competition. You're playing the same people every week, the same seven or eight guys and girls that you're playing once a month or, you know, every week. And you really don't get to expand your game with it. You know, so if you're if you want to learn the game, we see, you know, our players are see more hands than other than grinders under the, other than people that are <laughs> I would call semi pros. I would say that our players see more um, hands of poker than anybody else. Um, and that's why they do so well. People always say, again, oh, it's free. You know how serious is it? Listen, I, I sat and watched the main event. I've never played in the main event, but I've watched the main event many times. And I watch and I go, people like just going, what? How did you make that call? Like you got 10 grand on the line. Right. It's really it's really no different to that. So, so you have that. Then you also have a lot of people that, were just wanting to learn the game or intimidated by the casinos, right? So even when I started playing, I, you know, the first time I walked into a poker room, Tropicana in Atlantic City, I was scared to death. And so that's what we find. We find so many of our players are constantly, I mean, if you go to Cherokee, if you go to Cherokee during the WSOP, I will tell you, we have hundreds of players sitting at the tables with you. The funny thing is, is they don't want to wear their World Tavern poker gear because right. They're afraid that people are going to think they're going to be a target. People are going to come after them. So um, it's a great way to, and I don't know if I'm answering the question correctly, but it's a great way to advance your game. I mean, you see all kinds of craziness, but no one's there to lose. Every person is there to win. So even if they're not making good calls, it's not because they're trying to lose. It's truly right. because they just don't know. And so they're advancing their game. And that's where we've seen, you know, we have, um, over 250,000 registered poker players in our system. Um, you know, on any given year, 25, 30,000 active players. And so when you're playing that much and you're seeing that much diversity in play, you have to learn. I mean, you've got to, you know, you have to, you have to learn how to avoid those landmines. 
from the other side of that, the the poker players that are more experienced and been able to, you know, play longer or, you know, has the experience, they can, you know, we do our hand of the week with a novice player that hasn't seen as many hands. And the reason we do that is because it's a different mindset. And so being able to play with those players kind of helps you also know what they're thinking you know, and, and why did they make that call? Well, you, you start to figure that out as you, as you're playing these, these tavern leagues as well. Sure. Absolutely. Well, this season's already started, but there's lots of time still left to get to the next level, which the next level would be regionals, right? I mean, I'll just give you, if you don't mind, I'll just give it to you in a nutshell. So people always say to me, okay, Mike, what do you, you know, what is world tavern poker? And the way I describe it is simple is we're very similar to a dart league or pool league where you're playing live poker in a bar for free. And rather than cash, you're playing for points and move, the chance to move up the leaderboards to qualify. We have, we have well, now we have all kinds of levels, but really the tavern championship, the regional championships, and then the national championships. But if you're a solid player and you jump in with a month and a half left in the, in, you you at least have an opportunity to qualify for that next you know, level. And then, you know, and as we know, it's tournament poker. So, you know, anybody can win on any given day, right? Or, you know, can at least qualify on any given day. So yeah. we kind yeah. of sort of, we don't look at it as much as seasons anymore. We kind of look at it as 52 weeks a year with a series of championships throughout. Well, what if, what if there's no World Tavern in your town? What can you do? You know, well, I would, you know, I would tell you, to, you know, you can certainly play online with us, but it's, you know, our online is really designed for our league. So it wouldn't be as much fun if you're used to playing on, you know, NLOP or on, you know, WPT.com or, you know, those kinds of things. It probably isn't really your thing. Not that I'm trying to turn anybody away. Feel free to, you know, feel free to join. But my thing is, is if you love poker and you can't get enough of it in your area, shoot us an email. You give us, if you have a couple of bars in your area that you think might be interested in, you know, and a big thing for us and is if they have a slow night, really, you know, we're not in most bars on a Friday, Saturday night, because generally speaking, bars are already busy and they're looking for Sunday through Thursday. I've got a really slow night. I've got the space. I've got the tables. What can I do to bring more customers in? And it's a great way to do it. Um, we just talked, we had a meeting this morning and someone said, it was a, a player of regionals in uh, North Carolina, Central West, in Charlotte area. And they said this guy had come in. He just started playing a couple of weeks ago, and he's fallen in love. And he said his entire home game is all now. They're not even playing their home games anymore. They're now out <laughs> playing. He said, for exactly what I said before, is it's the same group of guys. I mean, they have fun, and it's whatever, but they all want to get better at poker. They know they're not going to get better at poker playing, you know, with the same 6, 8, 10, you know, 10 guys. And girls, by the way. And by the way, I should say this because it's very, very important. We probably have 30 to 35% of our players are female. Okay. So if you're a female wow. player, this is where you want to be. Um, we just did a, an event at Maryland Live and Philly Live, these sort of just fun events that we did. And both the poker directors came out to me in the middle of them. They would just went, you have so many women. That's what we're trying to get. And I think that's another wonderful part of the league is that it's not as intimidating going to a bar playing poker as it is walking into that seriousness of got you know that we call we call it headphones and sunglasses you know yeah. you know you're not gonna what are you gonna do you know so feed women out there it's awesome it's it's awesome if you're interested in learning you know more first of all of course visit our website worldtavernpoker.com but if you're looking if you've got the itch and you're looking for more times to play absolutely just give us a couple names of some bars and marie who's our national sales director will reach out to them and um and we'll get you a game in your area Yes, that's awesome. So just go to the website and get an email, or do you have an email you want to give them? Uh, you can email me, Mike M at worldtavernpoker.com. So it's my last initial, Mike Matzinger, Mike M at worldtavernpoker.com, and that'll get me. But you can go to the website, you click on anything, and you. our team's half the size now after COVID, so it won't be hard finding everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so The games are run basically in-house by um, someone that's there as the tournament director, right? So is there a training for that that goes on or what do they have to do to become kind of the tournament director for that? So one of the coolest aspects about um, our tournament directors, and they're so absolutely amazing, not quite veteran level, but many of them are veterans, but I will tell you, they are the backbone um, of our league. When we started, when I started the league, my old company, um, I had 380 team members. I don't like to use the word employees, but 380 people working for my company. And I couldn't stand it. 
you know, and I said, it was just so, my ADHD was so over the top. So what happened was when I decided to get to start World Tavern Poker, I said, I've got to design a model that allows me to have a minimal number of people. And so we didn't know how it was going to work. And so we went out, we said to the bars, hey, we're going to provide you everything you need, the systems, the tools, the website, the prizes, the leaderboard, the training, et cetera. You have to run the promotion. Okay. No idea what was going to happen. So just like every home game, we're in every poker room. After, you know, a couple hours of play, after a couple weeks of play, somebody always steps up and becomes the table captain, right? There's somebody who knows more than the dealer, many times, and no disrespect to dealers, but, you know, like, hey, no, 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 that's not how you chop that, you know, and this is what. And so what happened was we started seeing this and people started stepping up and saying, hey, I'll run the game. I'll run the game. We have active right now. We have two, right now we have about 250, 260 venues. Uh, we were about 400 previous um, to or prior to pandemic, but we have 500 plus tournament directors that step up and volunteer their time. Sometimes it's for a beer. Sometimes they get 20 bucks, but they're truly I so grateful for them. But yes, we have a full training program and it's it's different than if you were to go to a become a dealer, you know, at a casino. We don't have. You know, ours is self-doubt, right? Um, so we don't have that. We don't have cameras. We don't have a pit boss per se. And the tournament director plays. So we've developed these systems where everything about the structure, everything, you know, plays normally. But when then we have some guidelines for ruling. So you mentioned that you have uh, the floor segment, you know, on, you know, on your show. Right. And so we get that all the time, right? And so they sit there. We can't. We try to explain to people, we don't want the, the, the 380 page Robert's rules of poker, however long it is these days, because it's really not why we're there, you know, but we obviously, we have, you know, we have a good 10 page, you know, manual to it, but these folks are run a phenomenal tournament. Um, and if they don't know the answer to the question, you know, there's a crazy ruling. Um, they'll ask everybody in the room, we'll get texts at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> hey, Mike, I was at this, you know, and you know, and how should, you know, how should I have handled it? But yes. So we have a basic training program for them. We, it's called a certified TD program and they have to go through, they have to take a hundred questions, a quiz. Um, and they have to get at least a 90 or above in order to become a tournament director at the bar. And it just allows us to have a lot more consistency, you know, from when you go from one venue um, to the next venue, but we wouldn't be around if it wasn't for them. So if you're listening, if you're watching, absolutely huge shout out to your teams. You guys and girls rock. Um, you, you know, we're here because of you. So thank you for asking. That. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Mike, I so appreciate you being on here and I appreciate everything you guys do. And uh, this isn't going to be the last no, thank you so much for reaching out to us. I mean, we kind of connected a little bit on a whim, you know, I, I, and what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal. What you've done with it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, look, you're, you're the people that keep the game growing, you know? And so, um, no, we're going to, we're here with you. You know, we're going, as I said, before we came on air is that uh, we're going to let everybody out there know who Andy up is, who Joe is and, and uh, let's keep it rocking, man. Let's keep it. So we, we live in a wonderful world doing things that we absolutely love doing, playing the best game in the absolute world, a game you cannot master. There's nothing better. Absolutely. And uh, so thankful that we were able to connect. So uh, let's, you know, we'll, we'll keep this rolling. And yeah. for our listeners uh, and viewers, keep your eye out because there's more to come. And come out. Listen, I'll hook you up. I got your room covered. Um, you come out to Vegas in November for our event, come play with us, come, you know, get back into it a little bit. Um, you know, you'll have some great stories to tell, but I got your room covered. If you want to come out to, uh, to Vegas in November. All right. You guys heard it. We're going out to Vegas. <laughs> yep. November 4th through 9th, Orleans, the Orleans casino. All right. All right, Joe. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Peace everybody. Have a great one. It's time for Joe's. For today's one-outer, I want to talk about a Twitter post from Barry Uzi. I don't follow him, and he doesn't follow me. But for whatever reason, his post came across my screen. He listed a number of points to think about when things aren't necessarily going well, and he himself was in a current downswing. One through five was good advice to think about, but number six, that's when the conversation got real. The point was to be sure to self-reflect when things are going bad. He went really deep into his friendship with Horvich, a high-stakes player that committed suicide. 
I'm not going to do a super deep dive into the post, but I, I do want to address one part of it because it's super important that everyone that needs to hear this, listen carefully. Barry Uzi mentions how Horvich was mentally strong, but also stubborn. He decided to deal with all of his troubles and thoughts on his own. He had so many people around him that would have helped him in any way, but he kept it all to himself. Look, what I do, it's not the most important job there is, but I hope that I add a little bright spot into someone's day. And if any of you ever feel like you need to talk, 540-339-7741. That's the number you can reach me. I'm not a counselor, but I can talk. There's also a number you can call. Just dial 988 to reach a professional. You can talk to someone or even text back and forth. One thing I love about poker is the community. We teach each other, grow, share ideas, feelings, and stories. We all sacrifice our time and knowledge at times, so please don't hesitate to lean on that community. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcasts at AnyUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at AnyUpMagazine.com. <laughs>